0: Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, Apple's big unveil and what the Mueller report release made us forget about in D.C. But first, the colorless Green New Deal. This week, the Senate is set to hold a procedural vote to begin debating the Green New Deal, a very ambitious proposal to reverse both climate change and wealth inequality. The vote, however, isn't really on the substance. It's Republicans trying to highlight and exacerbate divisions within the Democratic caucus, which plans to simply vote present in a show of unity. What's particularly problematic about such partisan bickering here is that it has totally obscured any real debate over the Green New Deal's goals. And to be honest, prevented legislators from creating more substance as the initial proposal from Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Senator Ed Markey is really a skeleton in need of meat. Remember, all we have so far is a 14-page non-binding resolution. I know people complain sometimes about the length of major legislation, but you do not completely overhaul U.S. energy, environmental, and economic policy in just 14 pages, particularly 14 double-spaced pages. The bill sponsors say that more specific piecemeal bills will be forthcoming, but so far they've simply dumped this thing, this non-binding thing, into the rhetorical gladiator pit where Republicans have been bashing it without any substantive counterproposals of their own. The bottom line here is that both sides are missing a big opportunity to deal with major issues, if only maybe on income and wealth inequality, since there's no partisan disagreement on that occurring, like there bizarrely seems to be on climate change. Remember, this is a non-election year, which used to be when Congress actually worked to get stuff done. In 2019's Congress, however, the messaging seems more important than the meat. In 15 seconds, we will go deeper on this with Axios energy reporter, Amy Harder. But first, this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days, it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata Podcast. We're joined now by Axios energy reporter Amy Harder. So, Amy, let's just quickly, this might be a yes or no question, but start with this week's vote. It seems purely political and partisan. Is there any reason for us to actually pay attention to it?
1: Yes and no, which is, of course, a classic Washington answer. Yes, you should pay attention because symbolism matters, for better or worse, in a town that's built on politics. And even though it's a non-election year, we are ankle deep, at least, maybe knee deep in the presidential election season already. So for that reason, it matters. And But I say no, because this is a really big, ambitious policy, and the vote doesn't really say whether or not these people support it. It simply says that it matters, the fact that it's happening at all.
0: So let's talk quickly about the New Deal. The top level is obviously dealing kind of reversing issues related to climate change and income or economic inequality. Can you talk to me get a little bit more granular? And I know that there is not a huge amount of specifics, but the goals are out there. What are the top actual goals of this?
1: The main climate change goal is to implement what they're calling a 10-year mobilization plan to reach net zero greenhouse gas emissions in as soon as 10 years, which most experts, independent experts say would be impossible. But it might be longer than that. Of course, there. are aren't that many details, so it's hard for us to really know. Is
0: there a maximum on that? In as soon as 10 years, that theoretically means, or as long as, how long?
1: Exactly. There is no date in the measure, in part because there are no details. In reporting this out, I was trying to find, you know, if any, nuts and bolts. And what I found was this new think tank called the New Consensus is working very closely with the office of Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's, of course, the champion of this policy. And this think tank, the New Consensus, is actually coming out with a policy paper next year, early next year, that will provide all of these details that we're searching for. But that's a long time between now and early next year. So there'll be a lot of political messaging that's filled in that gap between now and then.
0: Early next year, which also puts us straight into a presidential election and, and congressional election season. Have you gotten an explanation? I understand that, that maybe the, the final goal and to have all these all these parts can't be there yet. The, the new Democratic majority in the House is, what, three months old at this point, four months old. But are we expecting nothing this year in terms of, you know, Ocasio-Cortez talked about these piecemeal bills that have come along the way. Couldn't we get some of those in the next, what, eight months?
1: In theory, uh, that's that's how it's supposed to work. And actually, non-election years were supposed to be when Congress actually does consider serious policy. Uh, I think it's a big open question whether or not there'll be enough bipartisan cooperation to do even small bill stuff. And I think it's worth pointing out that there's actually a big bipartisan climate change bill out there in the House. It's actually, it's a carbon tax bill. Nobody's paying attention to that because nobody who has star power is really backing it. And of course, AOC, as she's known, is backing the Green New Deal. And is
0: she against the carbon tax bill? And this is my own ignorance on this. Is she against it?
1: You know, she is somewhat agnostic about whether or not there should be a price on carbon of some sort, whether a carbon tax or something else. So she's not technically a supporter of this carbon tax bill. To answer that question, whether or not the ultimate Green New Deal has a carbon tax, I think it's a, is a big question. And if it doesn't, there's going to be some concern that whatever is in place of it is actually going to ultimately hurt the people that they were looking to help the most, which is lower income.
0: On the other side of this, on the Republican side, so so the Democrats, they have these goals, but it's impossible really to model it out and figure out costs because we don't know any specifics. On the other side, we do have Republicans, at least some, talking about costs is theirs based on anything more substantive or no?
1: So there was a, con- a conservative-leaning think tank called the American Action Forum that did a-, a study based upon what can only be general assumptions, because again, we don't have data, that shows the cost will be $93 trillion, which is a big number.
0: Slightly big, yeah.
1: Right. I said in my column that that number is baseless. Not to necessarily criticize that number, but simply it's hard to do any modeling on something that has no details. So I think, but regardless, it will be a big number in part because of the number non-climate change components of the Green New Deal, namely the universal health care, federal jobs guarantee, federal housing. These are big income inequality and poverty-related issues that the backers of the Green New Deal think cannot be separated from climate change policy. That question is, is a big division within the Democratic Party.
0: One final question, political one, and, and about divisions in the Democratic Party. So the idea and part of the Republican vote this week is, is to kind of highlight fissures between them, kind of the, call it the progressive or Democratic, Democratic, Democratic Socialist side of the party and say the more traditional or more traditional liberal slash centrist part of the party. I'm curious, though, the two co-sponsor this Ocasio-Cortez, who clearly is on the left hand side of this. But the other one is in the Senate, Ed Markey. And and he had been a congressman for years. He is the more traditional kind of mainline liberal Democrat. If it's the two of them co-sponsoring, does that fissure within the party actually exist when it comes to this?
1: It definitely exists. I think you have AOC, Ocasio-Cortez on the far left. You have Markey on the left. And then you have people like Senator Dinah and Feinstein, who was criticized for the way she interacted with kids about this issue. Then you have Senator Joe Manchin way over there on on the right side. But Joe of the Manchin's
0: line. always been on the right of everything Democrats right, he's, but there's others he's always too. been an outlier. Senator
1: Sherrod Brown, he's not supporting the Green New Deal. You know, he comes from a big manufacturing That's fair. Yep. state. And so I think there's a lot happening behind the scenes that I think this vote is going to mask entirely because they've all agreed to vote present, which is just ironic. We live in a town that, you know, builds itself on being politically strong. And and now everybody's voting the weakest way, which is present.
0: Would be bizarre to support or oppose it, though, given there's nothing in it. There's nobody, I don't think, who disagrees on the Democratic side with the top line principles of it.
1: That's correct. And in fact, Democratic leader Chuck Schumer has introduced his own non-binding resolution that basically says climate change is real, we should do something about it. That's a more typical resolution. This resolution on the Green New Deal is somewhat unusual because it's just a non-binding symbolic resolution, yet it has all of these huge policies in it. So I liken it to, and you know, activists are demanding lawmakers support it. That's like buying a house before getting an ins- inspection. You shouldn't do that, but sometimes you get pressure to do that.
0: Amy Harder, energy reporter for Axios. Thanks so much for- for joining us my final two right after this axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics in our unique smart brevity format we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com and now back to the pro rata podcast Now it's time for my final two, and first up is Apple, where, as I tape this, reporters are lined up outside the Steve Jobs Theater in its Cupertino headquarters, waiting for a presentation in which the iPhone maker will unveil its plans for taking on both Hollywood and the news business. Why it matters is that Apple is looking to become much more of a services company, particularly with iPhone sales growth stagnating. The plan, according to reports, is that Apple will offer a bundled digital streaming service through which it will push programming from cable networks like HBO and Showtime, plus some of its original programming, basically more like Amazon Prime than like Netflix. Apple also plans to unveil a bundled news subscription app, particularly for paywall news media, although we don't yet know who's going to participate. The Wall Street Journal reportedly has bailed, and both The New York Times and Washington Post are griping about how they'd have to share half of their subscription revenue with Apple. And finally, this morning, all of Washington, D.C. has been consumed with the Mueller report, which makes sense, but it also obscured the fact that President Trump on Friday nominated Stephen Moore to become a director of the Federal Reserve. It is a pick being almost universally panned by economists who view Moore as a cable news partisan, not a thoughtful peer, or even a peer at all. He's not actually an economist. Last Wednesday, we discussed on the podcast how the Fed has become more politicized recently. And if Moore gets confirmed by the Senate, any pretense of independence could be absolutely obliterated. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, have a great Lobster Newberg day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another ProRata podcast.